0: Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 13. We're going to begin in verse 44 and read through verse 46. And so the parables, as we have made our way through uh, many of the parables found in this part of the gospel narrative, we call Matthew. We have, well, we've traversed quite a path, really. If we remember that Jesus is presenting the parables in, in this narrative at a time when they're wondering who he is if he is who he seems to be claiming to be, what the things he's doing and saying would suggest that he is doesn't quite match with the expectations of what people would have expected of somebody who's making these proclamations. And so the question of who he is, and some people are accepting and receiving all that's happening, the the kingdom as he proclaims it, as he preaches it, as he and embodies it and enacts it through gifts of healing and miracle and restoration. And then there are those who aren't receiving it, that are walking away, those who are flat out rejecting him. Some of them are members of his family. Some of them are the religious elite. Some of them are all the people we'd expect to get it, right, to, to be on board. I mean, if Jesus came today and walked among us, we would, we would expect that the church would be the ones to grasp it, to be ready to follow him, to be ready to do everything that he asks us to do, to abandon all and go. Well, that's the expectation of the crowds we come to in the gospel narrative. They're all Jesus' people. They've been following God. They are the only nation that's really doing this. They should be the people getting it, especially those who are Bible experts or experts in the law or lawyers or scribes, however, whatever you want to translate that title, it's the same person, these people that know the scripture. They know it. They can interpret it. They can reference. And then you have the Pharisees who are experts at the purity code of Leviticus and understand every bit of the law and how to follow the obligations to be the pure and holy people that God commands us to be. And then you have the high priests, the Sadducees, Uh, you have the people that are doing the sacrifice in the temple, the people that should know they're the ones missing it, which of course begs the question, if Jesus were here today, would the church be the ones to get it? Or would we miss it? What are our expectations? What are your expectations? What are my expectations? Good things to ask as we come to these parables. And I think that's the point of the way that this gospel narrative is written and constructed and offered is we are asking some of the same questions because the the truth is Jesus is among us today. Are we grasping his presence? Are we following his guidance, his direction? Are we embodying his will? Are we abandoning everything to go and follow him, to be disciples, to be the church, to be the body of Jesus Christ? Now we may say, well, that's our goal, it's our good days the question would remain, well, what's standing in our way? And that's something that each of us have to confront as individuals and that as a congregation, we need to confront in our own community. Are we truly the presence of Jesus Christ for everyone in the community around us, all the people that we have been put here to serve? And as a denomination, are we the people that we've been called to be? And if we think we know what that means, Are those our expectations or are those God's? And before we maybe quickly say, oh, of course our expectations are God's, let's just look at the story and try to understand that there's a, a great many people that think the same thing in the story and are in fact missing it. And in fact, it's the people that you would least expect that are the ones that are getting it. So what stands in the way? What's the difference? Well, that's the mystery that we come to in the parables. And so Jesus has been unpacking what the kingdom is like. The kingdom has been like a farmer sowing seed. The kingdom has been like a a field being sown and there's good wheat and then there are weeds. And and yet we're not supposed to try to mess with it and uproot it because that'll be done at, at one point. They're supposed to grow together. This is what the kingdom is like. The kingdom is like a mustard seed, an insignificant, unimpressive seed that, that grows into a, an incredibly large plant given its origin, but even then the plant isn't entirely impressive or leaven or yeast, invisible to the eye, but the effects it has, even just a little amount in a large place, the effects are undeniable. This is like the kingdom. And so we come today to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 through 46. And it reads The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that somebody hid in a field, which someone else found and covered up. Full of joy, the finder sold everything and bought that field. Again, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one very precious pearl, he went and sold all that he owned and bought it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Simple twin parables give pretty much the same idea but in different ways. And the beauty of these paired together is, you know, we can immediately pick apart the differences in that one person happens to stumble across a great treasure. Uh, It didn't belong to them. They weren't even necessarily looking for it. They just found it. And yet they have great joy. They sell everything to acquire this thing that they found. And the second person is actually actively seeking out the thing that they eventually find. And there's great joy. They sell everything and they acquire it. So we can't get too caught up on that we're supposed to be seeking that only those who seek will find what there is to find when it comes to the kingdom. Some people just stumble across it. Some people just happen to find it. Some people are active and intentional and then do find what they have been seeking. And in fact, far beyond what they even thought they would find. Both commit everything to acquire it. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Now, let's try to avoid the natural inclination to think that the treasure or the pearl is the kingdom because that's not what the parable says. The parable says the kingdom is like, and then lays out the entire situation, something about something of value being acquired or or found, whether they were intentionally looking for it or not. And then the joy, the commitment to acquire it somehow altogether is the kingdom. And that on top of the other parables that we've already covered, all of these things come together to yet again contribute to the revealing of what the kingdom is like. Now remember, Jesus has been proclaiming the kingdom and people hear what he's saying, but are looking around and not seeing what they anticipated to see. They they anticipated a king creating an army, rising up, fighting. That would bring in the kingdom. Eventually, A few decades later, they're going to do that and they're going to get annihilated by Rome. But they are so committed to that idea that eventually they try to make it happen because they've missed what's right in front of them the whole time, which is the kingdom present in Jesus. So the people that are gathered around in the story, they've come to hear Jesus. Some are there to to accuse and to find things to hold against him. And some are there to measure with their own expectation. They want this war and this violence. They want Jesus to lead them. And others are there because they're actually searching and, and thinking Jesus might actually be able to offer them something. And they're actually open to receiving it. And so Jesus is saying, All you're seeking, it's here. Some of you just happen to be finding it when you weren't looking. Some of you are seeking it intentionally. Sure, we can identify with this today. We all come to church because we're seeking something, right? And church has what we're seeking. And we call this lots of different things. We understand it in lots of different ways, which is why we have many different denominations and, and lots of different practices and doc, or, yeah, some different doctrines. We have different dogmas. All of this comes from a different set of goals that different groups of people have all under the banner of the Christian faith. And so we may be seeking it and not really realizing what we're seeking exactly, just like the crowd before Jesus. And so some of us today might read this and think we understand what it means and think we understand what the kingdom's all about. And yet there's still so much more for Jesus to reveal to us through the Holy Spirit, for the lives that we live and the discernment and the talking with the rest of the body of Christ and through our conversation, through our relationships, through our, our love, through our heartbreaks, through our disappointment, through times of quarantine, through times of political divisiveness, through times of uncertainty, and then finding the hope and presence amidst that. Every little step that we take all of our reality together Can reveal the truth to us. Otherwise, why would we have this amazing, incredible life God has given us? We are given this incredible life, and there's so much to be had and understand and to be taught, and the parables invite us to just start thinking differently. It's like we have our way of thinking, right? And that's where we get the the uh, idioms, You know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, that kind of thing. We kind of lock in with this way of thinking. That's how we see the world. And, uh, and we know the problems that, that come around when we have our way and someone else has their way and they don't match. And we just try to convince each other to see it our way rather than try to actually learn and grow and, and think that maybe there's some knowledge and wisdom in all the ways that people are thinking about whatever it is we're thinking about. Uh, we kind of get locked in. The parable, it kind of subversively breaks us down because we have our idea of what this faith is, what the kingdom is, but yet we get these parables that are just kind of, they're weird. They're strange and they don't make sense. When you talk about a a farmer and you talk about a wheat field and then you talk about yeast and a mustard seed and then you talk about the treasure and the pearl and there are more parables to be had you talk about all these things, they don't quite line up at all on the surface with what we talk about when we talk about the kingdom of God and what it means in our faith journey. And so we have to kind of process them on their own, completely separate, because I'm not, I'm not a merchant, right? I, I'm not, I've never been digging in a field for treasure. I'm not a farmer. I don't have a wheat field. I've never kneaded yeast into dough, and I've never planted a mustard seed. Right? So I think these things through in this kind of detached reality. Uh, I, I'm making sense of it, I'm picturing it. I'm, I'm understanding what's happening in a way that has nothing to do with my life. and that's what's so hard about these parables is all the people around Jesus would have done all of those things, so they would know a lot more about what's happening than we would. But even still, the way He tells these stories, they're much different than you'd expect. Things don't behave like they're supposed to. It's not typical that you're digging in a field for whatever you're doing in the field, working in the field. You just happen to find treasure in a way that the owner of the field doesn't know it's there so that when you go to buy it, the owner actually sells it to you because they're unaware of this treasure. Uh, A merchant seeking pearl finding the finest pearl. You know, not every merchant gets to do that, right? Or that pearl wouldn't have been available. Another merchant would have already found it, I guess. Things don't really happen like they're supposed to, which leads us into question, what do these irregularities, does this strange picture that's being painted all together, like a great gem as we turn it and every bit of the surface, every, every different parable reveals a different kind of surface where light can reflect through and we're seeing something different as we turn it. What does it have to do with the kingdom? And that's a great question for you to wrestle with, to think on, to pray on, maybe read the parables every single day and just let them work in you. What they're going to do is start to reveal things. Now, another thing to understand with the parables is they were written in the point of the story, then the middle of the story. He's been telling them, or he's gonna be telling them what he's going to do. He's going to die and then rise. They're not gonna understand what he's doing, the disciples. So it's like he gives them these stories and it's almost like he knows, Jesus knows that about all the stuff that's getting ready to happen, you're not gonna understand it. But eventually you will see on the other side of the cross in the empty tomb, and you'll know that what I have said and all these things you didn't understand are true, even though you may still not quite grasp them, these parables will help you process what is to come. So the parables continue to work In our faith as we go, which is a great reason to revisit them and try to understand. The main point of the parables today, what they have in common, is the kingdom is something we discover. It's something we discover, and not only is it that something we discover, but it is the joy we experience in discovering, and it is also the leading for us to commit our lives to being a part, to acquiring, to having what we discover now be in our possession, not in a way that it's not available for anyone else because that's not how the kingdom quite works, but yet the story seems to kind of be that. So what is the kingdom? Have you discovered the kingdom? Have you experienced the kingdom and the joy in finding it? And then that being such a monumentally valuable possession that you will abandon everything else to have it be a part of your life, to call it yours, to belong to it and it belong to you. This this strange reality that Jesus is ushering in, strange because it is not of this world, it's not like, the way things in this world work. It's not about painting a picture of who's outside and excluded and who's inside and included. It's not about us and them. It's not about violence and fighting and making sure we have what we need at the expense of other people. It's not about anything that has to do with power and status as this world would lift up and uphold and treasure. This kingdom is not interested in that. And if you are interested in that, then these parables should really challenge you to reconsider. Would you let go of all of that that you have thought was important? Would you sell it to acquire what Jesus actually has to offer us in the kingdom? and that compassion, that, that justice and joy and mercy and grace and love that God brings to us through Jesus Christ, that God brings into our hearts through the Holy Spirit as we are made more into the image of Jesus Christ. Is there anything that we say, I can't let that go. This that God is offering me It's not quite worth letting go of this other thing, whatever it might be. The people in the parables, they sold everything, not most things, not 90 percent, right? Not 99 percent. Everything. They sold all they had to acquire that which they had found. One happened to stumble across it. One sought it out kind of the reality for all of us some of us just happen to kind of stumble into this faith we weren't looking for it but we recognized something worth seeking after and acquiring once we just happen to stumble across it others of us have been going to church our whole lives we've used the lingo We've we've done everything we've been asked to do. We take communion. We've gone through baptism, maybe as an infant, maybe as an adult, and if it was as an infant, we did confirmation and we've been coming to the church. And yet we still still find that through that searching, we come to find that which we've been trying to look for the whole time. It, It doesn't come to us right away. Some of us are still looking. Some of us are still convinced that we found it because we've been jumping through the hoops. It's just like the Pharisees, right? Uh, That's not a put down. It's just to say, have you found what it is that makes everything else in your life worth setting aside, selling to acquire? And the metaphor isn't, you know, we're, we're very monetary in our Western world. Is the way that you think, are you willing to let go of that? to grab onto what Jesus has to offer? Are you willing to let what you define as security in this world be redefined by faith in Jesus Christ? Are you willing to let go of what it is to be right to accept the grace and the mercy that's offered in Jesus Christ? Are you willing to consider that maybe racism's real? Maybe as white America, we're part of the problem. Maybe, maybe we don't even know it. Maybe we've been taught the problem so much that we don't even see that it's a problem. Yet we have an entire group of people telling us that it's a problem and inviting us to reconsider. And there's really some amazing justice in that kind of work. Are we willing? to consider that maybe we have some growth to do in that area? Are we willing to consider that maybe there's a lot of things we've gotten wrong in the church over the the centuries, the millennia that we've existed, and maybe we're still getting some things wrong today? Does God have more to reveal to us? Or have we seen it all? Is the way that we understand everything now our way of thinking, is that it? We know we've gotten there or is there still more for us to acquire, to receive, to find, to discover and with joy give ourselves and and let everything else go that we can become a part of this incredibly moving, powerful, life-giving, connectional gracious, merciful, loving, forgiving, compassionate, beautiful kingdom of God. We have a ways to go. We do a lot of great things in the church. We do a lot of great things in our faith. We do a lot of great things in this country, but friends, we have a ways to go. The parables can help us along the journey. So read through them, consider them, let them work, talk about them with someone, pray over them, picture them, focus in on different details and wonder, why did Jesus include that detail? Why that word? Why describe it that way? Why was it that kind of person? Why, didn't they, why wasn't the decision something else? What, what's going on with every little Part of the parable. And don't, don't start to try to allegorize it because people like to do that. The parables aren't trying to be allegory. The kingdom of God is what the parables are trying to offer us. It's not trying to offer us some sort of story about what the church is supposed to be doing today. No, it's about the kingdom of God. So just let the parables wash over you with that in mind. The kingdom of God is like the parables. Jesus Christ is at work today in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is here. Jesus is in you and me, all around us, leading us, guiding us, helping us. Jesus wants to bring you further into the kingdom and to bring the kingdom further into you, right here and now, right here and right now, because that's what the work of Jesus Christ is all about, redeeming everything. It began long ago. It will come to completion at some point in the future, but it's happening right now. It can happen for you. And if it's happened for you, you can keep going and you can be a part of it happening for someone else. Let us not let anything stand in our way of coming to understand the life that is offered in Jesus Christ. Let us not let anything in our hearts, in our minds, in our egos, stand in the way of us continuing to ask questions about how the kingdom is at work around us, about how the kingdom can come to be revealed to us, about how we might just be stumbling along and find the kingdom if we happen to just be paying attention, or how we can be actively seeking it and Jesus will be there for us to find. The kingdom of God, my friends, is all around us. It's at hand, it's in you. Let us continue to discover all that that means and let us continue to give ourselves with great joy to be more a part of it, amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.